This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart in London, and I'm joined on the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast from the USA by co-host Trader Nick. Hi, Johnny. Good to be back and ready to dive in and take a look at some markets today. And we're also joined naturally by one of our Oanda senior market analysts, and this time it's Craig Earlham. Hi, Craig. Hello. How's everyone doing? Very well. Certainly looking forward to the weekend. Nick, let's start with a look at the dollar, which looks set for its first weekly gain in more than a month. And I assume that is because markets think that a rate hike in May is now a near certainty. Yes, and and that seems to be the case, especially with today's numbers. We had uh, PMI uh, manufacturing and services both came out hotter than expected. Uh, the dollar just absolutely went straight up after that news came out. Um, I was watching it live; it was quite the reaction. Yet at the same time, you had gold drop like crazy, and the the stock market went you know up left and sideways at the same time. The dollar again looks really really strong here today compared to where it has been. It's been really in a slump and and trading sideways for uh, I guess. The, the last week or two here. Some economic strength coming in, and again, uh, hotter than expected forecasts uh, were much lower than what, what actually came out. And uh, of course, shot the dollar up initially. It saw a little bit of a, a pullback in, in terms of from where it traded. It hit up uh, against a level of resistance on the weekly chart here. Uh, but again, it looks like it might be on its path to at least the first uh, upward week in, in a couple weeks here. We've had a, a really tough time for the dollar. Can't seem to catch a bid anywhere. And part of that, I think that you mentioned, Johnny, uh, you know, rate hikes expected in May. That was kind of where we were at. Uh, the market is is somewhat uh, increasingly expecting that. The question will be if, if in the future, if we're going to just stay there or if there's going to be any more rate hikes. We had a lot of commentary from uh, Fed officials um, hinting towards potentially more uh, hawkish stances, meaning, meaning more rate hikes potentially. Uh, but I'm kind of in the camp of, I think, one more and then the Fed will likely just stay there for for a while and see see what the aftermath looks like. So in terms of PMI here in the United States, we had hotter than expected numbers, but we also saw some interesting reactions earlier. I was asleep for it, but we had PMI numbers come out in the UK and Europe. Uh, Craig, maybe you could share a little bit about what you saw there. Yeah, I mean, it was a real mixed bag, uh, which I think seems to be the theme right now. Service sector performing hot manufacturing very much not it's something we've been seeing actually for quite some time there's a number of months now this could span through uh, asia as well it's been very notable in uh, south korea and in japan as well manufacturing sector is really struggling global trade it uh, as a whole is really struggling but the services sector is really holding up and i mean thankfully from an economic perspective that's a positive here in the uk the services industry accounts for around 78% of the UK economy, manufacturing around 10. So if one of those is going to perform well and the other is going to underperform, that's the way around that you want it. And that's why the economy has been resilient. But at the same time, when you see divergences of this kind, it's just unsustainable. So the question is, is manufacturing a leading indicator? Or can the services uh, industry actually lift the manufacturing, kind of be a rising tide lifts all situation? I'm probably leaning more towards the former at this point in time. The reason why manufacturing and trade is struggling so much is partially because of high inflation and rising interest rates. And that's just a scenario that's not going to change. Household spending is going to remain restrained and is probably going to become more challenging again over the coming months because households budgets are simply being uh, squeezed. And I think that's going to have knock on implications further the services industry, especially if interest rates do remain high and credit conditions tighten even further. 
so yeah, the PMIs, I think it's a really consistent reading really, really around the globe, and it's not something that's looking to get particularly more positive in the short term. So in terms of the UK, on our last podcast, when I was talking to Ed, we were talking a little bit about uh, how inflation has been really, really stubborn, uh, of course, across the entire uh, major central banks, but especially in the UK, which still is hanging above 10%, which is, uh, you know, it's a scary number. I mentioned in the last podcast as well that for the US, we we're like terrified of the idea of getting up into 10%. And unfortunately for the UK, they've been stuck there for a little while, uh, despite the recent uh, forecast for uh, inflation to come down under that 10%, still staying very sticky there. Um, I'm curious, what's your take on, do you have any uh, uh, specific ideas in terms of the pound? Uh, do you think the pound continues to, to float higher? Uh, where are you at there specific to the, to the UK? Yeah, I think the pound's going to continue to do well, to be quite honest. And there's a number of different factors really for that. I mean, the the economy has actually done a lot better this last six months than than many anticipated. And that's one of the things which really is probably going to continue to support the case for another one, two, maybe even three rate hikes from the Bank of England. I'm not quite sure we'll get that third one, to be quite honest. I'm not even fully convinced by a second if I'm being honest. And I know that sounds strange because you've just alluded to it, 10% inflation, why would you not be raising interest rates? And the reason is because over the course of the next six months, we're going to get much more favorable effects. We're going to get favorable base effects. Energy prices have come down. Oil prices have come down. Food inflation is a big problem right now, but that's going to become less of a problem over the course of the rest of the year. And the kind of credit squeeze that we're seeing in households is going to have an impact. And the Bank of England, even before some of the changes which we saw in the budget, forecast inflation to come down below 4%. You can't always trust, trust central bank forecasts, but others forecasts uh, forecasters seem to broadly uh, agree um, so it, it is going to be uh, an interesting situation but I think the fact that the economy is performing well and interest rates are still rising are two factors which I think will continue to uh, be supportive uh, for the pound and like you say you saw that this week um, when even though the dollar has had a good week the pound is one of the currencies which has actually held its own against it because of that strong inflation reading but also we had the strong wage growth number on Tuesday and today we've had retail sales and it was an interesting day for the uh, UK consumer because we had weak retail sales and we had uh, strong consumer confidence which don't necessarily seem to go hand in hand. Possibly one of the reasons though for that Craig was that those weak sales were down to external events out of everybody's control. We had a lot of wet weather in uh, February and in March. Apparently stat of the day it was the sixth wettest march since 1836 and we had also a shortage of some uh, products like tomatoes and cucumbers neither tell a full picture to be quite honest the retail sales figures also followed uh, a surprisingly positive start to the year in january and february and you're always looking at monthly comparisons here so we saw 1.1 percent increase uh, which was a downward revision of course uh in uh, in february and we also saw a 0.5 percent increase in uh in january which came as a, a bit of a surprise as well so there is that cumulative factor as well the weather is a factor uh we can't ignore it people like to downplay and belittle the weather as a major factor but just take the us at the start of the year we saw what was it 600,000 job gains and it was one of the warmest Januaries that we've seen in the US as well. The weather is important. You don't you don't leave your house as much and you don't, don't go and do things as much if it's pouring down with rain outside. And sat in my house here in London right now, 
I can tell you it really was quite a wet month. Um, so it is going to influence spending behaviours. I still think the trend is uh, is going to weaken over the course of the year because, again, you just can't get away from the squeeze on budgets, on household budgets right now. Consumers are becoming, uh, I keep saying more optimistic, but actually the GFK consumer confidence rose to minus 30 and zero is the line that separates optimism from pessimism. But there's something else interesting that comes from this GFK number, and that is that while zero separates the level of optimism from pessimism, I think there's about two years in the past 18 years that that survey has been above zero. So the other thing it tells us is that British people are eternally pessimistic, which is always a good thing. Like we didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's look back on uh, on the week from the, the good and the bad point of view. Good week for Taylor Swift and bad week for Elon Musk. Who wants to go first? Shall we go with Mr. Musk and uh, your take on uh, his week, Craig? Yeah, he's, an, he's, a, he's a guy who's always uh, in the spotlight, and I think that's how he likes it. But this week has been quite a, a phenomenal week, even by his standards. I mean, from the, 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 the kind of good to the bad to the ugly, I guess, there's the good for people who want to buy an electric car because Tesla cut prices again. That's bad for shareholders of Tesla because the share price tumbled on the back of that because lower prices mean squeezed margins. I've got to be honest, um, I'm not necessarily sure I'm on board with the uproar. Obviously, if you own Tesla stock and large amounts of it, you may be uh, a bit unhappy with this decision, but I think that's a very short-term view. This is a very difficult market. Uh, credit's very expensive and it's gonna become more expensive. Interest rates are very high. Most people do buy cars on credit and I think that's also worth remembering when you're taking that into consideration. The economy is soft weakening and potentially heading for a recession in some points. And if Tesla does have the ability and the potential to lower their prices in a way that their competition can't, at a time when the electric car market is still growing rapidly, it seems like a good opportunity to try and really drive forward your own market share. And it is already dominating that market and it wants to reinforce its dominance once again and it feels like and elon musk feels like he's capable so that's a good thing for anyone who's looking to buy a tesla or at least the lower end uh, teslas um then you've got uh, spacex and the what was it four minute rocket launch before it, it, it was um it was uh, well blown up i don't think there's any other way of really putting it a failure with the with the engines meant that uh, it was a failed uh, mission so these were what 24 hours apart and then within 24 hours of that uh, of that again let's call that one the ugly and then there's the don't think this falls into any category twitter blue does anyone have a blue check mark on their twitter profiles i'll be honest i didn't and i still don't I'm not really into paying $8 a month or whatever it is here in the UK uh, to get this little blue check mark next to my name personally. I bet you trade and Nick's got one. I do, and uh, it's the best $8 I ever spent. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm paying for it both on uh, on Twitter and in, and Instagram. It's it's kind of like, you know, when they came off of, uh, you know, cable TV and Comcast and all that sort of stuff, and they just started doing all these services. At first, it's like, hey, awesome. I could just pay just this little amount and get the shows I want. And now it's like you end up paying for like 16 different services to watch the things you want. It's like, how many times I got to pay the same price? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? I think it's going to take time to realize just how worthwhile this ultimately is. I mean, you see, people seem to have divided into two camps on this. I mean, what in the world right now doesn't people doesn't force people to divide into two camps? But there's those who say, Do you know what, it's only $8 a month and I do get benefits from it, so why wouldn't I 
do this and then you've got the kind of other crowd who says why should i pay for something that used to be free and um uh, just so i can have this little bit of verification uh, next to my name and to be honest we'll, we'll probably find out that in in about six months a lot of people who decide they didn't want to pay for the blue tick will ultimately start paying for the blue tick and you may see some people who paid for it who realize they're not actually getting value for money and go the other way but i do actually quite like that and this isn't a generally wide hell popular opinion when it comes to elon musk i just like that he's trying things it feels like twitter became very stale for a number of years so i think i like the fact that he's trying things he's trying to shake things up a bit and decide well let's see what works let's see what generates revenue let's see what has value and let's see where those lead to because not every great idea has to be a great idea at the start sometimes things can just be an idea that turns into a great idea somewhere else down the line you're turning this into a good week for elon musk craig come on a rocket exploded it can't be that good a week I suppose they say no publicity is bad publicity. Before we look ahead to the week to come, uh, Nick, why did Taylor Swift make the crypto news? Well, I can't speak much past the headlines as I didn't too, look too closely at it. But as far as I know, it was a good week for Taylor because all that FDX drama where we had just so many influencers and celebrities, uh, big names like Tom Brady even were caught up in the, the situation and, uh, you know, a whole, whole slew of controversy over whether or not these people should be held accountable or not. And I, like I said, probably not my area of expertise to comment, but Taylor Swift managed to, at least from the headline news, dodge some of that uh, chaos uh, in terms of uh, uh, lawsuit stuff. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, exactly. Throw that word in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's look to the week ahead. Uh, let's start with you, Nick, actually. What should we look out as far as uh, from where you are over the next seven days or so? Sure. So next week we have uh, consumer confidence on Tuesday, which is, uh, of course, a big one. And then, of course, we also have GDP, which uh, in terms of market recession fears, uh, soft landing arguments, that sort of thing, I think a lot of a lot of attention will be focused on the advanced GDP number that comes out Thursday. Uh, we also have unemployment claims also on Thursday. And then uh, in terms of core PCE, that's going to be a big one Friday for the U.S. And in terms of uh, Pacific, we have Australia. CPI uh, number coming out on Tuesday as well. Uh, so it should be a very uh, busy week. Craig, in terms of other markets, is there anything I missed? What are you paying attention to going into next week? It's a very niche week from Europe next week, I'll be honest. We've got some data, which is always interesting. So I think Europe uh, is the highlight there. We've got CPI or as Europe follows HICP inflation data, Germany, France and Spain. So that should give us some indication as to what we can expect for the block as a whole the following week and whether we are seeing that kind of disinflationary pressures take hold. We've got preliminary GDP as well for the block, uh, which I think is going to be interesting again to see what kind of impact inflation is, uh, and interest rates has already had on, uh, on the economy in the first quarter of the year. And this is where it gets a bit more niche, shall we say. We've got the Russian Central Bank for avid followers of that uh, will uh, make their, their latest decision. It's not gonna. It's going to be unchanged. The governor just today or yesterday uh, stated as much. Even though inflation fell to three point one percent last month um, from close to ten percent, uh, she did claim that, uh, that there are inflationary risks out there, and until they pass, then they won't be considering cutting interest rates uh, further. And then on top of that, we've also got the Turkish central bank, and I must say it's niche, but it's. Uh, it's one I'm an avid follower of because it's one of the few places in the world where politics and uh, monetary policy very much are heavily intertwined, shall we say. 
President Erdogan even today actually saying that who's fighting an election in the next couple of months, saying that as long as I am president, interest rates will fall, uh, which uh, not even hiding the interference at this point. But uh, so that that's that's up in there. Interest rates could go anywhere apart from up. Uh, so expected to remain at 8.5%, could fall, could stay. Um, anything can really happen. If inflation can get above 80% and interest rates can keep falling, then like I say, anything can happen. But we're into kind of niche territory at this point. Okay, thanks very much, uh, Craig. Thank you very much, Trader Nick. Both of you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Johnny. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.